This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. From uh, about 15 years on up, uh, a great deal of my thoughts were uh, basically unshareable. We are all evil in some form or another. Yes, I am not 100%, but I am evil. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing, a podcast. Hello again, and welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast. My name is Alyssa Carroll, and I am the host and the creator of at Serial underscore Killing on Instagram, where we go through the life stories of serial killers to see if we might catch a glimpse of why they displayed their famous, vile, and disturbing behaviors. Special thanks to my patrons, of course, Emily, Gabrielle, Two Emmas, Gaylin, Cassandra, which I believe is actually Cassie, David, John, and my girl Judy. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate you. So this podcast is going to be on Dagmar Overby. Now I'm going to go ahead and throw out my disclaimer disclaimer here because the subject matter is the murder of infants and children. So I just wanted to make you aware of that ahead of time, okay? So let's get into it. Dagmar Joanne Amelie Overby was born on April 23rd, 1887 in a small village of Asendrop in Denmark. I'm sure I butchered that. I apologize. So let's get into some history for that time. So Brisbane in Australia received a daily rainfall of 18.3 inches, which was a record for the capital city. The U.S. Senate approved the naval base lease of Pearl Harbor this year. In Montana, during a snowstorm, the largest ever snowflakes were reported at being 15 inches wide and 8 inches thick. Engineer and architect Gustave Eiffel began work on the Eiffel Tower in Paris, France. The first Groundhog Day was celebrated in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. Oregon was the first U.S. state to actually make Labor Day a full holiday. It was also this year that six-year-old Helen Keller, who was blind and deaf, began being taught by Ann Sullivan. Side note, that is a fascinating story if you're interested. Abraham Lincoln was reburied with his wife in Springfield, Illinois. A gas lamp at the Paris Opera House caught fire, killing 200 people. Then a gas lamp at the Theatre Royale in Exeter caught fire, killing around 200 people as well. Racetrack betting became legal in New York State. And finally, 
the Sherlock Holmes, makes his first appearance in print in, quote, Study in Scarlet by Arthur Conan Doyle. So while there were a couple of losses, ultimately this seemed like a pretty good year for most of the world. Now, Dagmar's parents were Sean and Anne-Marie Overby, and sources say they were indeed poor farmers, but were very normal and decent people. She had two older sisters and a younger brother. Dagmar herself was described as a fussy small child, not one to self-soothe. She was moody and melancholy. I only found it in a couple of sources, but nonetheless, it was hinted that she had possibly been physically abused by a grandfather, but of that I'm not entirely sure. In school, it was evident that she was intelligent, but didn't really apply herself to her studies. She started stealing at a very young age, and by the age of 12, she was actually caught stealing a neighbor's purse. Now, her parents were, again, honest and hardworking people, and really, this was the last straw. Not knowing what else to do with her, they sent her to go live with another farming family in Funen, which was an hour's drive away via car, which we know they didn't have then. But this might have been far enough that no one would have known the shame that their daughter had brought to the family. Now, working at this new farm was by no means a picnic. She wasn't quite a teenager yet, but she was made to do hard labor. She was expected to keep the house clean, do all of the laundry, milk the cows, do all of the cooking, and so on, and she was only paid about $10 a month for her labor. And yet, did any of this hard work and bit of punishment do anything to curb her deviant behavior? Not even a little. So after some time, she left that farm and worked as a house servant for a few other families around Funen. But she eventually went right back to stealing again. She was, of course, caught and sent to a women's prison in Svenborg for a short sentence. And though there are no dates around her arrest, I believe this would have been the end of her childhood years. There's really not a lot to go on, so let's dig into the information we have. What really stands out to me is that she was a very emotional child. A child who seemed to not be capable of keeping her emotions under control, and really her impulse control was lacking as well. Behavior, correction, and even being sent off to work at another farm did nothing to deter her deviant behavior. So it would seem that she had something going on. So this is really kind of speculative, but she very well could have had a conduct disorder, though she doesn't quite tick every box of the criteria, but we could lean that way. And while it is quite common for children to display emotional difficulties, some develop inappropriate emotional and behavioral responses to situations in their lives that persists over time. It was made very clear in all sources that her parents were honest and hard workers. There was absolutely no mention of any issues of anything going on with her other siblings. 
Again, a couple of sources said she had been physically abused, but that statement most definitely was not across the board, so I would take that with a grain of salt. None of her siblings came to her defense stating they were disciplined beyond what was standard and acceptable for the times that she grew up in. Now guys, of course I'm not diagnosing her, that would be irresponsible, and she's clearly no longer alive to study, but I can say that childhood and adolescent conduct disorder often develops into the adult antisocial personality disorder, which every single one of us should be intimately familiar with at this point if we are all experiencing my podcasts together. Clearly, she did not learn her lesson from being sent off to work at that farm. And now it is true that she didn't make a decent wage and the work was grueling, I imagine. But I don't believe it would have been much harder than what she was already accustomed to at home with her parents. Sources didn't say if she was explicitly sexually or physically abused in this environment either. She moved on to working as a servant in other houses, which was pretty common for those times, and she went right back to stealing, thus landing herself in a women's prison for less than a month. So again, we don't have a very clear picture of the childhood. It's not a lot to go on, and quite a bit of it is speculation on my part, but it's an educated speculation. But just wait till we get a little bit further in the story. Now, once she was released from prison, she traveled back to her hometown and began working as a waitress. Life settled a bit for her for a while, and of course, she recognized her regular customers. One of those customers was a man named Bisgard. The flirtations began quickly and led them to sleeping together, and the inevitable pregnancy soon followed. And as most of us know, back then especially, that was very, very scandalous. So the couple moved in together before she gave birth to their son. They made an honest attempt at a relationship and parenthood, but of course it was not to last. They split when their child was still an infant. Then the baby died from, quote, mysterious circumstances. So the doctor that assessed the baby felt pretty strongly that something was amiss, so that he actually held an inquest. He pointed out that the infant had blue or purple lips, an indication that he had been choked or strangled to death. But in the end, he decided that the baby had died from complications of pneumonia. And it certainly wasn't a stretch to believe this, as in the very late 1800s and very early 1900s, pneumonia was the leading cause of death due to infectious disease. Louis Pasteur was just, at this very time, beginning to study microbiology, and we were only in the beginning stages of understanding bacteria and so on. Now, word around the campfire was that the neighbors were not entirely convinced that that baby had died from pneumonia. So, predictably, Dagmar moved out of that local area. So in 1912, the now 25-year-old Dagmar became pregnant again with a 56-year-old man's baby named Anton Nielsen. But then she met and promptly fell in love with a man named Jens Sorensen. 
Jens was completely unaware that Dagmar was pregnant in the first place. She did give birth to a baby girl that she named Arena Marie over by Nielsen. And then she immediately put the baby up for adoption to save Jens from societal embarrassment. The couple were kind of able to make it work and they stayed together and a year later, Dagmar was pregnant yet again. At this point, it would be her third pregnancy. Jens didn't want to have any children and demanded that she get an abortion, which was illegal, but she refused. However, once she gave birth to the baby boy, she promptly left him in a haystack to die. After this, she tried to get Jens to agree to marry her, but he refused. He said that, in fact, he would never marry her. Now, due to this, she did attempt to commit suicide, but how, I'm not sure. I wasn't able to find that. However, she clearly survived. So we see three years had gone by since she had given her daughter up for adoption and Dagmar decided that she wanted her daughter, Arena, back. However, she accomplished this, which I couldn't find. I don't know how she was able to get her daughter back. She was successful and she regained custody of her and moved her and her child to Copenhagen, hoping that she could start her life over fresh. Once settled, she opened a sort of bakery candy shop and very quickly met another man that she convinced herself that she was in love with. His name was Svensson. Things heated up pretty quickly and the couple, along with Arena, moved into an apartment together. But it didn't take long for her shop to go out of business, and so she happened to read in a local newspaper about how a family had earned 500 kroners for adopting a baby. So let's do a little bit of math, okay? 500 kroner during that time was over $57, again, 1915. So to give you some perspective, in today's money, that equates to just under $1,500. Dagmar then decided to go into the business of being a professional caretaker of children and especially those children born out of wedlock or otherwise under scandalous conditions. Now keep in mind also that World War I had begun. In Denmark during this time it was illegal for women to get abortions. So women who were not financially able to care for their babies or children due to any number of circumstances, including secondary factors to the war, needed help. So Dagmar advertised herself as a sort of quiet, discreet adoption agency. In exchange for money, she would take the infants or small children and she promised to find them good homes. So she also found an advert from a woman who had given birth to an infant boy outside of marriage and wanted to give him up for adoption. So in April of 1916, she met with the new mother and three-week-old Harry. The mother gave her baby to Dagmar along with a partial payment for Harry's first month of care. It was then agreed that the mother would continue to pay this monthly payment until Dagmar could find a suitable house and the baby could be adopted. So of course the mother being relieved, she walked away feeling like her son was going to have a much better life than she ever could have given him. 
And once the mother was out of sight, Dagmar put the baby in a stroller, and then she took him for a very short walk. She then quickly strangled the little boy to death and threw his body into a public bathroom in a cemetery. Three days later, his remains were found by cleaners. It was on the very day that that tiny baby's body was found that Dagmar wrote a letter to that baby's mother talking about what a good baby he was and how he was never fussy. Two weeks later, Dagmar met with yet another young mother who really didn't want to give her baby up, though she felt her circumstances did require it. So Dagmar agreed to take her baby for a monthly fee until she could find suitable parents, then murdered it and left the remains under a bridge. So as you can imagine, this became a very profitable endeavor for Dagmar Overby. There was no infant or child to take care of, and yet she still received the money. However, with the discovery of the first two babies, if you aren't counting her own that she left in the haystack and her very first that, quote, died from mysterious circumstances, she knew she needed to find a different way to dispose of the remains. So she decided that she would cremate them in her brick oven. On some occasions, it was said that she drowned the infants first, but she was also known to literally just throw the children into the oven alive. And unfortunately, she murdered an untold number of children and babies. Then in July of 1920, a young woman who worked in a factory named Caroline had put an ad in the local newspaper asking someone to adopt her new baby. The ad read, quote, Adoption parents wanted a little girl at three weeks, preferably a Christian home with lots of care and patience. Ticket number 234, unquote. So Dagmar responded to the ad and the next month, Caroline brought her baby girl to the apartment that Dagmar was currently living in. Caroline explained to Dagmar that because her baby had been born outside of marriage, her parents were ashamed of her and told her to put the child up for adoption that they didn't even want the baby in the house. Dagmar smiled and listened and responded warmly that she would be happy to take the baby and find her a good home. And you know, it actually took a lot of convincing, but Caroline eventually, albeit begrudgingly, gave in and handed her baby over. Caroline openly admitted that she did not want to give her baby up. She was quite torn as to what to do. But Dagmar won her over, and she paid Dagmar the equivalent of a woman's yearly wage for that time. The mother left, Dagmar shut the door, and then promptly walked past the brick oven and threw the infant in. However, Caroline was completely distraught with her decision and decided that she absolutely did not want to give her baby up after all. So the very next day, she went to Dagmar's apartment asking for her baby back. As you can imagine, Dagmar was caught completely off guard. 
seeing the mother of the baby at her door again and quickly explained that, well, she had already adopted the baby out, but she couldn't quite remember the exact address of the family. Sources say Caroline showed up on Dagmar's doorstep three times asking about her daughter, and then she finally went to the police. The same day, the police came to Dagmar's apartment and questioned her about the baby, to which she gave them the same excuse. They searched the apartment where they eventually found the infant's clothes, and after looking through the ashes of her oven, they discovered the baby's skull intact, along with fragmented bones. Dagmar was arrested while the authorities further searched her place. It was then that they found the charred bones and bone fragments of other children in her cupboards. You heard me right, not cupboard, cupboards. They also found at least one infant nearly mummified stuck between two ceiling beams. She confessed that for the past four years, she murdered the infants by strangling them or drowning them or again, sometimes just throwing them into her oven, burning them alive. She would then take the remains and either bury them or hide them throughout her apartment, which by the way was very disgusting and dirty. But she stated that she had actually murdered 16 children over a seven year span total. Now, After her arrest, it was said that as many as 180 children were then reported missing and everyone believed that these children had been victims of Dagmar's baby farm. But it is generally agreed that this number is quite inflated, pretty high, as people used her as an excuse to hide their own perceived shame. The police themselves were able to piece together the remains of nine children. So with that, she was charged with nine murders. Now, investigators believe that she actually killed somewhere around 25 babies, this including her own two infants. And once the news of this reached the public, there was this huge outcry and it caused this massive national scandal. During her trial, it was said that she was emotionally all over the place. She would go from displaying highly dramatic episodes to cold-blooded indifference, feigned despair, and surrendered cheerfulness. In March of 1921, 34-year-old Dagmar was sentenced to death by beheading, guillotine, or axe. The first woman to be sentenced to death like this since 1861, to be exact, but King Christian X, the then king of Denmark, overturned the sentence. You see, he was working on trying to modernize Denmark, and he didn't feel that the death penalty was befit of a woman. So she was instead given life in prison with no possibility of ever being free. She was, and still is, considered Denmark's most notorious serial killer. And this was, of course, the straw that broke the camel's back and that forced Denmark's government to revisit laws regarding women's rights and adoption laws. It was after this that children who were, quote, unwanted were now the responsibility of the government. And in 1923, 
They passed new laws that required public housing be constructed and strictly supervised to be able to care for children that were given up due to what were considered scandalous circumstances for those times. So while in prison, Dagmar's mentals completely deteriorated and she suffered with prison psychosis and had to be taken to a mental hospital. So that term is used to describe the apparent mental disturbance of an individual brought on by imprisonment and often manifested by pseudo-hallucinations, mild delusions, and paranoia. And it is true that psychosis is slightly more prevalent with people in prison compared to the free population, according to a study out of New South Wales. This rare dissociative disorder is sometimes called Ganser syndrome, which is characterized by nonsensical or wrong answers to questions, fugue states, amnesia or conversion disorder, again, often with pseudo-hallucinations and decreased states of consciousness. And at some point, this was also called balderdash syndrome and hysterical pseudo-dementia. This syndrome can occur in people with other mental disorders, such as schizophrenia, and I'm not picking on people with schizophrenia. This is just the science. Also with depressive disorders, paresis or loss of voluntary movement, alcohol use disorders, and others, but again, it is a dissociative disorder. Dagmar herself died while in this mental institution in 1929, and she was only 42 years old. So now I'm sure you're all asking me, well, what happened to the daughter that she allowed to live, right? Arena? Well, I dug quite a bit, actually, because I was curious myself, and I absolutely could not find any evidence of what happened to her after her mother was arrested. So if I have any listeners from Denmark, and I know that I do, if any of you know what happened to Arena after her mother was put in prison, please let me know so that I can share with the murder family. I would muchly appreciate it. And I know it wasn't terribly long, but that's the story, Murder Fam. What do you think? Leave me a comment down below on the video or leave me a message on Instagram at serial underscore killing. You can also email me at serialkillinginstagram at gmail.com. And as always, guys, thank you so much for listening because I know you could be listening to anyone else, but you keep choosing me. And I love you guys for that. Thank you so much. Have a great day.